All right. Hey, so if you're online, we're really glad that you're there. Um, how many of you have been online for church? If you're in the room right now, how many of you have been online for church? Let me see your hands. Okay, I think almost everybody, literally everybody. We're really glad that that's there, and we hope this summer you stay connected to the church, even if you're uh, out and about and on vacation. You can watch live, of course, but you can also watch it after the fact. And the reason why is because as we go through this series called One Verse, we're going to give you uh, some verses that you can latch on to. And my guess is, is that some of the verses are going to kind of hit you and you'll think, ah, I don't know. I mean, it's scripture, right? We're not minimizing scripture, but some of them are going to hit you and you're going to think, that's for me. It feels like they picked that verse and they had me in mind. Although we don't know your whole story, that could be the case, that God through his spirit is connecting what we do with your heart and your experience. And so that's why every week you ought to tune in. And so we'll give you a card every time you're here and you can pitch them, you can do something with them. But there may be a verse that you think, that's one I need to just spend some time with. And so our hope is that you would set it aside, put it somewhere where you can see it, memorize it, maybe look at different versions of it, and uh, just allow God to let his word kind of burrow deep and come up in some beautiful creation of love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, something. He'll do it in your heart and in your life. So we're picking one verses at a time so that you and I can kind of get recalibrated after the season that we've been in. It's been a tough season, hard season. It's been a difficult one. And even the next couple of weeks, we're going to take one verse. So we're even, we're even stretching out this next little bit. We're one verse today, but this verse is the same verse for next week. You know, it's like when you take a trip and you have an open road in front of you, a nice straight open road, and you hit the gas, you know, and then you see a curve coming up, and that curve, you know, you think, you know, usually your wife hits you or throws an elbow or whoever's not driving, you know, is seeing the curve before you see it. But you begin to, what? You slow down. And the curves are a little more treacherous or unpredictable. You can't see the road as much. Maybe you haven't been on this road before. It's different than a, a lane that's open in front of you that you can just kind of pedal to the metal. What we'll talk about for the next two weeks is just like that. It's a bit of a curve. And spiritually, emotionally, relationally, it's a tough thing for us to kind of address and deal with. And so we're going to go just a little bit slower. And as we go slower, we're going to give God time to work and to do his thing. But that only works if you work it. It only works if you kind of open up and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but would you just kind of do something in me? And so that's our hope. That's our hope. So the other day, I saw a T-shirt, and I thought, I, needed, I need this T-shirt. And uh, maybe you've seen it, uh, and I got online, and you can get it lots of different places. But when I saw this T-shirt, I just laughed, and I thought, it's so me, so me. So here's the shirt. How many of you have seen this shirt before? You've seen it? How many of you need one of these shirts? Let me see. Here, here, here's how naive and silly I am. When I saw this shirt, my thought was, how did they know? That's what I thought. Apparently, it's a universal thing that when you're in a circumstance or a, maybe a mood or a, a whatever that's less than optimal, you do things that are less than optimal. You say things that you later regret. And it's amazing to me how this works. You know, I mean, I'll be in a spot, you know, I blame it on low blood sugar or, you know, hunger pains or something. And I'll be irritated and angry and, you know, short and impatient. And, you know, you fill it in with your own behavior. And then I'll eat or 
you know, whatever. I, I'll enjoy something. Usually cake is what I want. Cake is what I get. So then I think, what was I so sideways about? I mean, the world is a beautiful place. Everyone's so kind and lovely. And I thought, I just, I need this because how often have, have I really felt like, yeah, this, is, this describes me. Then I had another thought. It was this. I, I know there's another shirt out there, a very specific shirt that I, I thought, I know it's out there. I saw this one. I know the other one's been made. Somebody's selling it. And so I Googled it and looked. And of course, it is being sold. And this is it. I'm sorry for what I said during quarantine. It's been an interesting year and a half. What's interesting about it is if you had a, an issue, maybe you were a little impatient before the last 18 months or so, you found yourself a lot impatient during this time. If you had a little friction in a relationship, there was a lot of friction in that same relationship. The quarantine, the pandemic, the, the you know, unrest politically and, and racially, all those things, they didn't really create those relational problems. They just sort of unearthed them. What was chronic before all of a sudden became acute. What you could kind of bury in the course of a normal week could no longer be buried anymore because it showed up daily instead of monthly. And this is where we find ourselves as we try to enter back into normal life. And as we enter back into whatever that means, maybe a normal schedule or traveling, all those kinds of things, we still have these kinds of issues. I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry or when I was impatient or when you ticked me off or when you behaved that certain way. It's almost as if the last several months have taken a magnifying glass and put it right on the parts of us that are a little less than desirable. About a week and a half ago, I was sitting at home. Donna was at work. When she works, she works a 12-hour shift. And so uh, the evening, I'm, I'm just sitting at home, and I, and I had my phone, and uh, an email came through on my phone. It's kind of a weird email. It was from the Disney Plus people. Do you have a Disney Plus account, some of you? We're on Disney Plus, right? We got it just to watch Hamilton and still, and, and still have it. We still have it, by the way, mainly just so we can watch Hamilton again. And so uh, Disney Plus email came through and it said, uh, here is your one-time code so that you can log in. And I thought, uh-oh, that's weird. I wasn't trying to log in. I'm all logged in. Now, we share all these sort of entertainment accounts with our two grown boys who both have income of their own. It's really odd. If that sounded a little bit bitter, then the meaning came through just, just fine. And so I thought, nah, I don't know what's going on. So I texted both of them. I said, you guys trying to log on? What's, what's the deal? Do you, do you need the password? What's happening? Nothing. Got nothing from them because they're busy and have lives and all that. And then I got another email, email that said, here is your second one-time code. I thought, somebody's, somebody's messing with my account. And I assumed, of course, it's one of these fellas that, you know, uh, are of my genetic persuasion. And, and I waited and waited. And then finally I got an email back or text back from the boys that said, it wasn't us. Uh, apparently Austin uses Maddie's Disney Plus account and Carter uses Becca's Disney Plus account. And so I, then I felt bad about assuming they were all on my account. And then I got a third email that said, uh, thank you, your email address has been changed. Yeah, not good, not good, right? So I tried to log on to my Disney Plus account, and it says, we don't recognize your email. 
I thought, well, now I'm in trouble. What do I do now? So I hopped on their website, and they have a little chat box that you can enter into with somebody from customer service. They'll help you through whatever problem you're having. And, of course, my fear was they're going to think I'm not me, that somebody else is me. And so I told them what was happening and explained. I just got an email. Somebody changed my email. I didn't, I didn't do it. The login credentials are all different now. And they said, well, we can verify who you are. And they asked me a couple of questions, you know, and thankfully I knew those answers. And, and they said, well, we can cover this for you. We got this. We got it figured out. So they, they, on their end, on the back end, changed it back to my email. And I, then I logged on and changed my password. And in the middle of all this discussion, they said, are you sure this wasn't you? And they said... Uh, in the little chat box, they gave me an email address and said, do you recognize this? And I said, no, I don't recognize that at all. So all is well. Nothing was charged to my account. It's back in my name. And I felt so violated. If you've been a victim of identity theft or, I mean, you know, I, I, that's not happened to me at all. Some of you had money charged on your credit cards and all kinds of things, bank accounts taken over. This was my first little foray into any of that. It's, I've been very, very lucky otherwise. And I know it's just Disney Plus, but just go with me for a minute. I was pretty angry about it. I thought somebody, somebody tried to steal my Hamilton, right? <laughs> and then I looked at the screen. And I thought, oh, I, I know this person's email address. So within about 10 minutes, they were signed up for about 10 to 15 different spam accounts. <laughs> this individual is going to get emails from Mitt Romney, <laughs> Black Lives Matter, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, Kamala Harris and Biden and six or seven others I don't even want to mention. I'm embarrassed to say. And their email box will be filled with all kinds of things. And it took me, uh, you would think it might take a while to do that. It didn't. It took a total of 10 minutes, I think. And as I'm filling out all these forms online to fill their inbox with all manner of spam, uh, Jay apparently is his first name based on his email address. I thought about putting it on the screen for you so you could help me with the little project, <laughs> but decided that would be improper use of power. So... As I'm doing that, I just stopped and thought, this is about a week and a half ago, and I'm pondering a bit about, you know, this series and where we're headed and the things that we're doing, and I just, I kind of giggled and then felt this, you know, kind of wash of shame. Uh, what, what in the world is, is wrong with me that I would take vengeance like that? Unbelievable moment of sort of clarity. And so I began to write a few things down about what is obviously true about me. And I don't know if this is true of you or not, but, and this may be more than you want to know about your pastor, but I am surprised in my ability to remember offenses, to be a tad spiteful, to use sarcasm as a passive aggressive weapon and keep a record of wrongs. I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but it describes me to a T. I'm absolutely astounded at my ability to do all of those things in a thousand different ways. I've walked with Jesus now for, oh, 45 years. And at times when I look at the, the fruit that should be on the tree of my Christian faith, I'm appalled at what's not there. And what can just come forth is just normal, expected behavior. 
Now, don't, don't be mistaken. I, I, I try to keep it in a, a place that can at least help me appear as good as I might think I am or as some people might think I am. But I know how to go underground with it in such a way that, well, that's a pretty good list. I mean, if you get behind me on a road and you tailgate me, I will probably slow down just a little. And if you pass me and give me the finger, I'll look over and smile at you just so you know I did see you there and I do not care. And then when you get in front of me, I'll probably tailgate you. And I'll do the very thing that I didn't want you to do to you. This is a bit of who I am and how I felt. And it was made obvious by the time I'd signed up Mr. J for about his 12th or 13th spam email that will show up in his life. Now, the verse that we'll focus in on for the next two weeks is one that is powerful. And it pokes at some places in our character and in our lives, in our behavior, in our relationships that can be incredibly tenuous, a little tender, and maybe some places that we don't want to go. Here's the verse, Ephesians 4, 32. In fact, let's read it together. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's do it one more time. You ready? Try it again. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. There are literally thousands of verses we could have picked to talk about the nature of forgiveness or how forgiveness works in the scriptures. We could have gone in the Old Testament, we could have stayed in the New Testament, we could have gone almost anywhere. But there's probably not one verse in scripture that summarizes with Paul's incredible brevity of communication, this truth. He explains to us that forgiveness, of course, showing up central in this verse, really looks like being kind and being compassionate. And so even though we would like to say forgiveness just means that I've written it off and won't hold somebody's offense against them, Paul says, no, that's not really it altogether. There's a flavor to it. There's some texture to it that goes beyond that. And it's kindness and it's compassionate and it's actual expression. But then he gives us this theological truth in just a few short words that is not to be missed, that is really the foundation of why we would even remotely think about not holding somebody's offense against them. He says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I can't imagine a verse that is more powerful, more central, more clear, or more concise. And even as we broach the subject of forgiveness, for some of us here online, immediately we think of a circumstance, a person, a deal, a moment in time, a season of time where somebody hurt us, betrayed us, came against us. Somebody didn't do what they said they would do. Somebody did the unthinkable. And the idea of forgiveness is just almost too, too tall, too impossible of an order to even begin talking about. But we know who, and we know when, and we know how, and we know what. For some of us in the room, if you were to take this verse and put it nearby or read it over the next few days and, 
and pray some of the things we'll ask you to pray through before we're done today. For some of you, it will be all the way to Wednesday or Thursday when it will occur to you. Oh, yeah, I forgot I was carrying that with me. I forgot I was holding that as a grudge. In fact, whenever I'm around them, I feel just a little uncomfortable. When they are in my memory or I think about what happened, then I I feel kind of hot, a little angry, or maybe a little you fill in the blank, whatever unforgiveness does to you as you carry it with you in your heart. For some of you, it's about a moment in time. For some of you, it's about a whole season. For some of you, it's about one person. For some of you, it's about a whole group of people, like a political party or something else like that, that is creating the angst or the anger or the unrest or the desire for justice in your own heart. As you read this verse that's on the screen, I want you to know that when I talk with people about their faith journeys and about where they are with God and how God's leading them and where they got stuck and you know, all of these kinds of things, it's my absolute favorite thing to do because if we're going to talk about Scripture together and I've got at least part of the job here at the church is to articulate or explain how to live this out in our daily lives. It means I have to be thinking about it. We have to work on it together. And as we have those discussions about all of the things that keep us stuck, I can think of no single thing that creates more issues for people in their walk with Jesus and in their relationships with God and relationships with each other than a lack of forgiveness. It is the one thing that keeps people from experiencing the goodness of God more than any other thing. It's the one thing that keeps people stuck in a place, not experiencing the grace and the mercy and the freedom that God intended. And for most of us, there's an issue or a dozen issues that we just carry because we think that's just how life has to be. And God didn't intend that at all. There's a quote I want you to see. It will frame kind of this week and next week. It's by an author. His name's Lewis Smeads. And here's what he says. See if this doesn't hit you where it matters most. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner was you. Now, this idea, of course, isn't a new idea. But to talk about it or to apply it, two very different things. To know it or to feel it, two very different paths. Sometimes what is necessary is that we take our foot off the gas, the curve is coming up, apply the brake, and stop and ask God to guide us through this. So what if you began to do that? What if you began to take this this one simple verse out of Ephesians chapter 4 and just ask God a very simple question? Is there something in my heart that needs to be dealt with? Is there forgiveness that needs to be given that I have withheld? Is there something happening with me in regards to this whole deal that you want me to pay attention to? And as you allow God's Spirit free reign to do that, then know this, his love is gentle, he's careful. God doesn't draw you into places that you can't handle. 
God doesn't allow you to experience things that are too great a burden. He will guide you gently and thoughtfully through all of it. If, if you begin to ponder this verse with openness, allowing the Spirit of God to have his, her way with you, what if you began considering it? Who would you need to forgive? What would that even look like? And so as we walk through it for the next two weeks, this verse being the cornerstone, what we'll do is um, go a little bit deep on it. We'll give you a couple of resources that will help you along the way. We'll point you down some paths because, you know, you can work on it all you want in this place. And I can talk to you for, you know, a little bit of time each Sunday, but the hard work will come from you. You have to do the heavy lifting. And when God allows you to do that and meet you in that place, then freedom comes. And that's what God wants for you more than anything else. And so there'll be a couple truths that we'll lay out for you. Here's the first one that I want you to catch. And this is important. This is a, we'll call it forgiveness truth number one for today, okay? There's just a few we'll hit on. In regards to forgiveness, we all have to go at our own pace. I can't emphasize this enough. You didn't pick this sermon series. You barely picked up, picked showing up today. Maybe some of you are really regretting it at this point. Or online, you're thinking, I, you can just turn it off. I mean, you could get up and walk out, but then I would know you did that, right? And we would say, ah, yeah, got a problem. So all that in mind, know this. You have to go at your own pace. You didn't pick this, but it may have just picked you. Forgiveness happens slowly and thoughtfully. And as you allow this verse to take root in your life, it could be that all we're doing for you today, because this is going to hit the trash can as soon as you walk out of the room, it could be that we're just planting a seed that comes to fruition in five years or 10 years or somewhere down the road when you actually have the capacity and the ability, the time, the bandwidth, the wisdom to address this or dig into it. God is doing a thing in your life and in your heart. God wants nothing more than to give you full and complete freedom, help you experience the grace and mercy that he's given to everybody that has ever drawn breath. That's what he wants. You have to go at your own pace. And so just because we picked it for this sermon series doesn't mean you got to deal with it, but the confluence of this moment might mean that you allow it to plant a seed. People make two mistakes when it comes to forgiveness. Don't make them. The first is they slap a Band-Aid on it and call it good. They peace fake. Any peace fakers in the room? I can peace fake with the best of them because oh, I, I, I hate tension so much. We'll just, can we just pretend like we're good? And if we can, then we're good. That's the first mistake that people make with forgiveness. And when they do that, they don't open the box. They don't look at all the squiggly things under the rock. They don't deal with the issue that is really there. And it comes up eventually in one way or another. And you find yourself with your hand through the drywall wondering where that came from. So don't make that mistake. The other thing, the other mistake, two mistakes, peace fake. The second is they never address it. They've boxed it up and set it aside and decided it's too ugly, it's too painful. I don't want to even think about it. Don't make those two mistakes. What does that mean? It means you go at your own pace. It means that God's planting a seed with this verse, and it could be this week, next week, summer long, or the next year, you deal with some issues that you've never dealt with in your own heart. But go at your own pace. It's important. Which leads us to, really, the forgiveness truth number two. And this is just as important. Forgiveness is usually a process. It's never one moment in time. 
This is a mistake that many of us make that we completely misunderstand how forgiveness works. What we think is that we say, well, you're forgiven. I forgive you. I don't hold it against you anymore. And then you'll find yourself a month later, a year later, 10 years later, feeling vengeful or angry or hurt or shame or bitter or resentful about something that happened. And what you'll begin to think is, did I ever forgive them at all? Did I even make any progress at all? And the answer is absolutely you did. But you mistakenly thought that forgiveness was a once and done deal. It's not. It's a process that you walk through. And God does it in layers. For some of us, the pain that we've experienced because of the betrayal or the hurt on behalf of somebody else, forgiveness takes a lifetime, many layers, many processes of going over it again and again. And that's what God intends. He wants you to experience full and complete healing from it, but it won't happen immediately. It's usually a cycle that happens again and again. And as God takes you through that, you experience the healing deeper every time. You might remember on Mother's Day, we focused in on one passage of Scripture. It's when Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and what? Burdened. That's right. And it's a great, great passage for Mother's Day because, you know, who's more burdened than moms around us? And so we focused in on that, that passage of Scripture. But then Jesus kind of wraps up that passage by saying this statement. It's powerful. He says, For my yoke is what? And my burden is, and when Jesus says this, I've talked to so many believers that would say, if they were being honest, and some are honest with me, they would say, you know, I see that Jesus says that, but this sounds like nonsense to me. I don't understand what that means. How could following Jesus be easy and light? It's anything but easy and light. It feels hard. It feels uphill. Even Jesus said it was a narrow road and a cross is heavy and all of these things that they say that the walk with Jesus in their life, it does not feel like it's easy and light. And yet Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does that mean? How do you square that up with your experience with God? I believe it can only mean one thing. For followers of Jesus that find this hard to believe because it's not their experience, it could only mean one thing. You are carrying something that you were not intended to carry. In other words, for some of us, we're carrying judgment of others, not for you. Some of us are carrying legalism, baggage from some church we grew up in that told us what it means to follow God. And it's adding to Scripture, and it's not even true. Some of us are carrying the twin weights of bitterness and resentment. And they're weights that you were not intended to carry. And if you're carrying those things, well, then the yoke is a burden. And the burden is ridiculously heavy. Because those are weights that you were not supposed to lay on your shoulders. If you carry them, then of course following Jesus would be utterly preposterous. Forgiveness? No way. That idea of setting a prisoner free and the prisoner is you, it exposes what I call the forgiveness fallacy. Some of you have had a, a circumstance in mind since we've entered the subject of forgiveness and you can't imagine allowing somebody out of the jail that you've put them in. And your perspective is this, 
Forgiveness fallacy is this. If I let them loose, if I don't hold them accountable, if I don't try to seek justice in my own heart and mind, then they will be free. The fallacy of all of that is so deep and easily seen when you see it in somebody else's life. It's only when you offer forgiveness do you find the freedom yourself. And so with that in mind, here's forgiveness truth number three. If you think forgiveness is difficult, if you think it feels like a mountain that is too tall to climb, if you feel like it is a, an expectation of Scripture or of God that is impossible or just far too egregious what happened to you, you can't even imagine going down that road. If you think forgiveness is difficult, try carrying bitterness and resentment. It'll wear you out. It will be far too much. You were not intended to carry this. So if you can't imagine forgiving, then my guess is what you are carrying, what's making you so tired and so weary. And God wants a different kind of freedom for you than that. So lay it down at your own pace, one layer at a time. I'll recommend a couple resources for you if you want to dig in a little bit. If, if you are hearing some of this and you think, well, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't disagree with it necessarily, although I am a little bit angry that you brought it up. Uh, but I, I don't know what to do or where to go. So let me point you a couple places, okay? There are two books that have changed my life and Donna's life when it comes to forgiveness and letting go of bitterness and resentment. If there's somebody in your life that has wronged you or even a few people. There's a, a specific incident or, or, or season you have in mind. There's something you can point to, the way you were treated, the way you were betrayed, that sort of thing. Then I, you ought to pick up either digital or a hard copy, Amazon. It's about 10, 12 bucks. This book, it, the author, Lewis B. Smeads, you've seen his name before from that quote just a bit earlier. It's called The Art of Forgiving. And this is one of the most profound, complete, and wise books about forgiveness that you'll ever find. And it will answer questions that you have right now. Some of you have been asking and thinking about since we started. And so this will be powerful and helpful. If you have been going through this season and watching the chasm develop in our country and your anger is mainly about politics or the culture or the social divide or how could those people put such an idiot in office, remember, there's some people in the room that pictured a different idiot than you pictured, okay? So there's lots of idiots around, lots of idiots. And so if, if that's been your thing and you have some anger about it and you don't know what to do and you just find yourself generally testy, then you ought to pick up unoffendable. It's not about uh, forgiveness like we classically understand it, but the author, Brant Hansen, does a great job of applying the gospel to you and I living in ways that allow us to live winsomely, thoughtfully, generously, and kindly. Kindness and compassion, even while we're around people that are deeply embedded in what we would call the outrage culture. You know what the outrage culture is, right? You've been a part of it. You've seen it. Most people think that the only good response to outrage culture is more outrage. And all it does is pile on anxiety and fear and judgment and hatred and all of that. That's not the answer. The gospel takes you a different way. And the gospel takes you a place 
of being unoffendable. So it's a great book. He has a radio show and everything. So I would recommend both of these books. But it could be that your issue would lead you from one or lead you to the other. It's powerful. It's powerful. Here's my hope, that you will take this card with you. And you'll allow the verse just to sit with you for, for a bit. And you could begin to pray a prayer, a very simple prayer. In fact, I've, I've worded one that might have some sentiment in it that is meaningful to you or helpful to you. And it just says this. I'll read it. You ponder it. Lord, teach me about forgiveness. Help me to forgive readily and often. Free me from the burdens of resentment and bitterness. You have been so kind and compassionate to me. May I treat others in the same way. Can you imagine what kind of bandwidth you would have left for love and grace and mercy if you set aside bitterness and resentment? And this verse, Ephesians 4.32, paints the path forward. In fact, if, if you've always struggled with how God feels about you or really feeling forgiven, then the secret is locked in that, and the essence of Ephesians 4.32. And we'll dig into that next week. But here's my hope. You'll at least ask God, do you have any business to do with me in this regard? And so we could pray that now. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, we ask that your spirit, as gentle as your spirit is, that your spirit would speak to us, each one of us, meet us in this moment. Lord, there are many here in this room and online that have been on the receiving end of unbelievable and egregious offense and betrayal. And Lord, our hope and our prayer is that you would meet us in the tenderness of that moment. We come to you with open hands, knowing and believing that you love us, that you want what is best for us, and that you will guide us to places of good freedom. As Psalm 23 says, a, a pasture that's green and bountiful. And so, Lord, if you're inviting me and anyone listening into a moment of reflection or thought about the grudges that we hold, about the vengeance that we want, about the revenge fantasies that we have, about the hurt that we have long buried that we did not want to bring up or deal with, then we trust you, Lord. We trust you. And as reluctant as we might be to take this corner in the road, we pray that you would just speak to us. And so we, we want that freedom. So Lord, teach us. Teach us about forgiveness. And as you do, Lord, we trust in your goodness and your gentleness. We want to love more fully. We believe that your kingdom grows when we love. And we want that more than anything else. So, Lord, we, we close this service singing of this blessing that you have given to us and that we can in turn give to others. 
We want to be full recipients of it all. Uh, We don't want it in half measures. We want all of you in every way in our hearts. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that we would be able to love freely even those who have disappointed us, even those who have hurt us. Or we believe that when we forgive, we are most like you because that is exactly what you have done for us. So Lord, we sing about this blessing now and we pray that as you inhabit this moment that your spirit would guide us and lead us.